I normally begin by asking you to open uh, your Bibles to a certain uh, section because I traditionally always preach expository sermons believing that uh, that is uh, how God uh, is best honored at least from the way I approach scripture uh, with this. Uh, Today, however, I'd like for us to share about the Christian testimony, and instead of just one text we walk through verse by verse, I will share several texts with you. As I was trying to decide what to call a sermon like this, I thought maybe I should call it a testimony for life and let you all kind of think about that, whether that is for the sake of life, what that which brings life, and then where does it bring it to the one and so on. But I settle on life-giving testimony. Because what we are really talking about when we talk about sharing the Christian faith, we are bringing life to people, right? Bringing new life and to ourselves. These things are not separable And I'd like for you to kind of see that. We don't use that word testimony much anymore, really. When you think about outside of a court of law, uh, that's kind of like an old-fashioned kind of term in Christian circles, right? We don't have testimony services too much anymore, for better or worse, whatever we want to say with that. Um, And and the word witness is the same way. They're kind of courtroom terms, not that they always... Uh, that they didn't always uh, were that, but uh, to some degree, they kind of disappeared. The word testimony comes from a Latin word, testis, which refers to evidence, a witness, someone who is speaking to something, and because of that which he or she has seen, this is evidence, this is proof in a sense. We've changed language. That happens a lot. I've spoken to that earlier in in a lot of different contexts. Where we used to say, I want to hear your testimony, we now say, would you share your journey with me? Yes? And that's a subtle kind of uh, change. A journey can be anything. We can choose about uh, talking through our journey without ever coming to some kind of critical moment in our lives where we met Christ and where lives were truly changed from that perspective. But you know when you start thinking about witness or testimony, in the biblical language, the word is maturia, where the word we get martyred from. To be a witness is to be a martyr. In fact, to be a false witness is to be a pseudo-martyr, pseudo-witness, someone who is not speaking the truth or acting like he or she is, but it's not really. That's a pseudo-witness. We don't always hear that when we hear the word false, You think about that for a moment. You reflect on that with me. When the Bible finds a word to use for being a witness to Christ, it pulls out the strongest 
word that you can find, a word that carries within it a willingness to die for that which I believe. It's implicit in the very word that here's something that is so life-changing, so significant, so filled with truth about life that I'm willing to bet my life on it. And then, of course, it follows from that, as a lot of people have pointed out over the years, that if something is worth dying for, it's also worth living for. If it's not worth dying for, it may not be worth living for. The message, if you will, about a Christian testimony is therefore the message about having found something that has such a quality, such a depth, it was such an encounter that everything else hinges around that and if that's not there for real, nothing else matters and I might as well die. It's worth dying for and therefore also worth living for. This is a time when you can get your smiles out, right? When, if I've taken a picture of you right now, you, I don't know that you would have put that on the front page of the website. I'm just saying, right? Yes? This is a joyous message, really, but it is also a deep and very important one. A testimony, a Christian testimony brings life and it's worth asking yourself the testimony that your life brings in words and in deeds as people see you live and act and surround yourself with others. Does that carry the message that here is something that for you is so important that it is worth dying for and because of that, even more so, it's worth living for you have found something something that is not just good for you but it's so important that it's not to say well in my journey this was good for me but this is so important that you say this is a cornerstone for how to understand reality as it is it is for everyone, and you need to share it. It's a burden on my life. I got to share it. The Christian testimony is three-sided. I think we don't always think of it that way. It is directed toward God. It is directed toward the church, and it is directed toward the world. So let's kind of walk through these things, if you don't mind. First, it's directed toward God, after someone has received God, had met God, encountered God, and received his offer of salvation, and promised him that we will live with him as Lord, life has a new direction. There's a new story, which is what we talk about Sunday night, that carries everything. 
It's not a few opinions that change. It's a brand new direction, a new way of looking at all things. The story that carries it, the narrative is different. The journey has changed direction if we want to use that kind of language. To be Christian means that Jesus' word, the encounter with him and the obedience to his word are, is a necessary daily and weekly experience. I think I talked to you before about the difference between something that is good and something that is necessary, right? If you have a little of a headache, you may take an ibuprofen and that's good, right? But if you have a life-threatening disease and you must take that medicine every day at this time, that's not just good, that's necessary, right? If you are parked in, in just a backup line because of traffic and they're moving like another, you know, five, ten feet every so often, you know, it's a good for you to kind of follow up and get a, but you know, if you wait for a little bit and, you know, you take further distance for every time you move, that's Okay, it's good for you to follow the car in front of But if you're stuck right on a railroad track and the train is coming, it's not good for you to move forward a little bit. It is necessary for you to move forward, yes? We get that, and that's what I'm saying here. The daily prayer, the daily Bible reading, the, the daily devotion to God's Word is not just a good thing. It's a necessary thing for us to walk His way to have insight into his will, which of course is necessary to live life as a Christian. Devotion to God and his word is not an add-on, a good thing, it's a necessary thing. So in a nutshell, life as a Christian is one big worship event where you worship God. Everything we do, everything we say, every answer that we give, any question that we ask, anything, the conversations that we engage in, the reactions that we show, all of it is a testimony to God about whether or not we take him serious in what he says. In fact, what the Bible calls sin is the exact opposite of that. That's exposing the reality that we don't take him serious. That we think we know better and we do opposite of what he says. Worship is the Christian testimony to God. That's where we tell him through words that are backed up by our daily lives what really matters to us. What is truly important. So worship is not exclusively about going to church although it's always great to meet and stand with one's Christian family so to speak to proclaim God's greatness. That is important. But it is also about your daily 
testimony to God about how significant your relationship to him is. It's about exposing to God and to everybody that the agenda for your life is not set in your own mind. It is set in his heart. You see, we meet in church. And we do so because we realize that we need to participate in God's community. This is where God's people come to worship publicly and to publicly show this is what matters to us. This is where we find our direction. We're not here primarily alone, as I said, even in the welcome here, like a bunch of individuals that happen to gather in one place as if we're really kind of like we are at home, worshiping God on our own. But we're here because we together, and together with the church that God has called us to be part of, that we want to be willing and we want to show that we can bring a testimony to God about the life of his people in this place. Can I say it so strongly that I say that it is a clear misunderstanding when someone acts as if they are primarily here as individuals. Like it's more about me like we were going to the movies or something, or to a ball game where we don't really care about who sits next to us. It doesn't matter as long as I'm there and I have my thrill. When we come to church, we're here to worship corporately, to bring a testimony to God about what he's doing among us, not just in me, but among us. We stand as members of God's people. We're here because God wants to hear his people talk, his collective testimony of his people about their surrender to him. Let's not forget we're his people. We're here also to hear his word to us. Not just to me, but to us about his grace and his guidance of his people. Oh, how we can get that messed up. And when we get that messed up, we have lost all power as his people. The testimony to God in your personal life and the testimony to God as a part of God's people go together for Christians. So what happens? What happens when we worship God? Does God need our personal worship? Does he need our common Worship? Not at all. 
but he desires it. He doesn't need it, but he desires it. His being is not changed by our prayers and our praise. God was and is and always will be the same. But then someone asked, why then worship? Well, because. Although nothing has changed in God's being, his relationship, his response to us, the way we interact with God changes by our worship. His being may not change, but his response and his relationship to us will change. We worship, friends, because we believe in a God who is a listening and acting God. God hears our prayers. Yes? I think one of the sovereign experiences that a person will do when they meet God as the father of Jesus Christ is that he is a person. He is not a force. He is not a power. He is a person. You can't relate to a force or a power. You acknowledge that it exists. You may see its effect, but there is no relationship. And God relates to us as a person. Relationship matters. Bring yourself, Paul says, as living sacrifices. Well, the Jewish priests brought animals to sacrifice, and by sacrificing, they showed their repentance, that is, their heartfelt regret for how they have violated who God is. We bring ourselves, is what Paul says. There's an incredible text in Exodus chapter 29. I'm going to read it for you right here. It's going to be on the screen as well. Talking about this and how to do the sacrifice. It takes some of the blood and put it on the lobes of the right ears of Aaron and his sons and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet and then sprinkle blood against the altar on all sides. On the right ear lobe, as a sign of your willingness to hear God's word. On your right thumb, as an expression, as a sign of your willingness to do God's will. On your right big toe, as a sign of your willingness to, go, to walk God's way. Are we hearing this? To live with a Christian testimony toward God is to bring yourself, not part of it, not some of it, not a corner of it, but all, at all times, you become a living sacrifice. That is, your life is understood only in relationship to him. 
Christian testimony is directed toward God, but not only toward God, also toward the church. This speaks to us about service, growth, spiritual growth, edification of the church. You know, what has developed in modern times, so to speak, where we can talk about membership as, as something like we talk about a place where we attend every so where we're not deeply engaged in the activity and the very being of what this is all about is so foreign to the New Testament, there's not even a word for it. There's not even a word for it. The word Christian the word Christian is a nickname. It's a nickname that was given to that early church in Antioch. What are we going to call these guys? They all kind of come together and they try to express the body of Christ, who Christ is. So they call, let's call them the Christians. Now, there may have been all kinds of people living in Antioch, who had heard about these, who were thinking things through in their minds that, that may have had even a personal inner kind of conviction that maybe there's something to this, that Jesus really is uh, the Son of God and he really did die for my sins and so on. But they were not called the Christians. The Christian was a nickname for those who met to celebrate who Christ is and what he has done. People whose testimony, beyond being directed toward God, also was directed toward the church. And that, friends, speaks to us about being present. Jesus has planned it so that those who carry his name should come together to build one another up. He has equipped us with spiritual gifts so that every single last one of us who gather have something to give and to share with others. To avoid actually using the gift that God has given us for the edification of others, as the Bible says, is to violate the Christian testimony. Because... The testimony in its very essence is directed also toward the church. The church, which is God's calling together of a people. Don't forget how this started. He created and saw all things were good, yes? Then we violated that and all things became bad. If you forgot, read Genesis 3. And then since Abraham, he had been about gathering and creating a people who were to be his witnesses, testifiers as a people to all folks so that everyone, everywhere will be brought in and become part of that new community that again looks like what he intended. Our Bible gives an example of someone who was not present when the disciples met after the resurrection of Jesus. His name is Thomas. And Thomas was absent when Jesus met with his people. 
And because of that, it says about him, because of his absence, he was not there. He had to live with his doubt and his disbelief. And only when he was actually present did he suddenly see the resurrected Lord as he showed up again. And if you follow his name through scripture, you know that when Acts chapter 1 came about and they were all meeting in the other room waiting for the Spirit, one of the names listed that was there is Thomas. He was not about to miss yet again. The building up, friends, of the church matters. God gives us gifts for that. It's part of the worship and a testimony as Christians. In verse 3 of chapter 14, and it's going to be on the screen again of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that everyone who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. The one who speaks in tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the whole church. I would that every one of you to speak in tongues. In other words, private worship is okay, but I would much rather, much rather that you prophesy. Because he who prophesies, that is, have something to give to the others, part of the church, is greater. And I jump to verse 26. He says, because everything must be done for the strengthening of the church. We are not called. We are not called, friends, as Christians to receive blessings. We are called to be a blessing. That's not a bad thing to remember. We're not called to receive blessings. We're called to be a blessing. The spiritual gifts are given for the common good, as Paul says. And so a true Christian testimony is directed toward God. It's directed toward the church. But it is also, let us never forget, directed toward the world, the whole Book of Acts is kind of written under that heading, which was the start of the church. Of course, when, when Jesus gave the great commission, he said, make disciples everywhere. Go to all nations, baptize and teach, all of that. Make disciples. And then it begins in Acts 1, and it says, Jesus, the resurrected Lord, says, you are to be my witnesses. Here, there, and everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the end of the earth. So the Christian testimony is not only directed upward and inward, but also in the power of God with great boldness outward toward the world who does not know God. The Acts, or the book of Acts, as we dealt with last Sunday night also, and which I just quoted here for a second aims to simply show that the disciples are called to continue the ministry of Jesus. To be a Christian, friend, is to be sent to town by no one less than Jesus Christ himself. That's what 
we see from the very beginning. You read the book of Acts. As soon as Peter finished his preaching in chapter 2 and they baptized 3,000, the first thing we hear about them is that they go up to worship at the temple and Peter meets someone who is asking for stuff and he says, what did he say? What I have, I give to you. Friends, that is the essence of the Christian testimony, right? Yes? What I have, I give to you. Question is, of course, what do you have to give to people? You see, the Christian testimony or a Christian person with a life changing experience of God's presence is a person with a message that I have someone and something so important that it is worth dying for. And because of that, it's worth living for. In fact, that's the only thing worth truly living for. Whatever else we may do in our jobs and in our careers and in our whatever, a part of what we need to do to, to, to live and to eat and so on. But the calling when we're Christians goes in one direction and that is to give testimony to who God is through his son Jesus Christ to be a Christian is to be sent to town by no one less than Jesus himself with a testimony about his power to change lives You know, some people find it hard. It's just difficult. What, what do I do if someone kind of argues, out-argues me? You know, I look like a buffoon. Can I even say that word? Maybe I can say it this way. A person with an experience is never at loss, never subject to someone who has nothing but an argument. A person with an experience is never the subject or subordinate to someone who has nothing but an argument. I was in seminary class a long time ago, back, you know, Methuselah and I were there at the same time. I said that before. And the professor had to kind of go through various arguments for the Exodus, and someone had read this book, someone had read another book, we everybody. And someone was sharing something he had read from some German uh, theologian that said, Exodus could not happen. It just, even if you lined them up, there were 600,000 people, plus probably several more, but 600,000 at least men, and then you know, probably a thousand wide, and however many that would be deep. And had them walk with like normal kind of walking speed as they cross, which would be difficult anyway because of all the livestock and all the other stuff. It just couldn't happen. And he tried to muster this pretty good argument from this book that he had read and he was supposed to present. And one of our fellow classmates was from Korea, South Korea, from Seoul. And he said, I'll never forget this. He just said, ever so kindly. He said, I think if you have mustered that argument in Seoul, they would all have smiled at you kindly. 
Because Seoul is built with, with a big river right in the middle of it. And every single morning, there's a bridge that crosses that. Every single morning, millions of people cross that bridge to go to work. Every single afternoon, millions of people cross that same bridge to come back. A person with an experience is never subject or subordinate to someone who has nothing but an argument. Share your faith. And let me say also as, as the last important thing here that so many people find it difficult to find the kind of joy and excitement that, that, that needs to be present in a Christian life. Some are confused, some are tired, some feel burned out and, and it's understandable. But maybe I can say it this way that it, maybe there's something that is disconnected that should not be disconnected. When we feel there's so big a distance between what we read in Scripture from what we experience in our own lives, maybe not even a comparison, maybe it is to be found right here. In the spiritual world, there are some things that belong together that can't be separated. The very foundation the prerequisite, if you will, for an empowered, strong Christian testimony and for a strong Christian life and testimony is that you testify. The joy and the jubilation and the empowerment from God, so to speak, disappears with the testimony. It's like trying to, to survive without breathing. Trying to quench your thirst without drinking. They're just some things that belong together and when you separate them, everything falls apart. So how can I say it strongly enough? I don't know. Maybe I can just say, testify, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Share your Faith, become a Christian witness. If you've had a life-changing encounter with God, something that you have now, you're able to say, I have something to live for because I have met someone who is even worth dying for. Well, let that testimony be shared as often and as frequently and as strongly as it is natural for you also just to breathe. Testimony, friends, is directed toward God. Don't miss that. It's directed toward the church. Don't miss that. But it is also directed toward the world. It is directed toward the world to express our gratitude toward God that he desires for all people, 
not just our kind, but for all people, not just those who agree with us, but for all people, not just those who live like we live, but for all people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's what the Christian testimony is all about. And it connects together that way. If you see that in your relationship to God, that is directed toward God, a need to find it necessary to worship him. If you see it's direct toward the church, that I need to find it necessary to be part of building up his people and make them ready for when he comes. If you see it as necessary to bring all people in, regardless of who they are and where they are and what they look like, you would see a new empowerment, a new strength, and a new joy. In fact, I don't know that there is another way of looking at the Christian life. A Christian testimony. Is it yours, friends? It's not for me to be the one to judge. It is for you to take to your room with the Lord and for you to live out. I hope you hear these words. I hope you find encouragement from these words because that, my friend, will change the world we live in. It will change your purpose for life and it will change the future and when God sees fit to use us in the strongest way ever. Father, would you talk to us? Would you have this be a word of encouragement not a word of distraction where we're just frustrated, we're not living up to stuff, but a word of encouragement of how you desire to hear our voice as we yield ourselves to you, to see us as we come together in your name, and to strengthen us as we share your name with the world. Father, there may be some here this morning who cannot say, I know Jesus Christ and what it means to live in light of what we just shared. I don't have that testimony because that life-changing encounter has not been mine yet. Father, would you speak especially to that person with power and strength? Give them boldness to stand up and say, I got to talk to someone who can help me find that encounter. There may be others here, Father, who have just kind of grown lax and, and the whole thing about Christian faith has become nothing but, well, that's what we do. We kind of go to church. We do our thing, but we are not engaging with God and the church and the world. Father, would you call us out? Give us that boldness to see the power and the necessity, not just the goodness of it, but the need and necessity for it. Father, I want to ask even for those who are not, not seeing just yet the power of being a part of your people. Just think that individual Christianity is something the Bible knows about when it doesn't. Call us, Father, together to help us look upward and inward and outward. For the sake of your kingdom, we pray these things. Amen. Friends, let's stand.
and the invitation is open. You've heard the word of God. You deal with it as he tucks your heart.